Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? I don't know. We're just going to see how he, he comes back. Um, really, that's not the focus right now. Focus is, you know, seeing how he's, how he's doing and work him in a little bit, and then we'll decide at the end of the week. Just physically. Yeah, I mean, he's been working out. Well, how do you go about the team's plan to integrate him back into activities, however much that is, either today and throughout the week? We have a plan uh, as far as, you know, what we're going to give him today and tomorrow and, um, you know, all the things that he has to do. Are you saying he'll practice today? Yeah. That was a couple days ago, Chip Scoggins, and now we know as of uh, approximately 2.56 or so on this Friday afternoon what that plan entails. And according to the injury report, I'm looking at the Twitter account of our buddy Andrew Kramer here, now a colleague of yours at the Star Tribune. Everson Griffin expected to play on Sunday. Gotta admit, I'm not shocked by this. I'm a little bit surprised. I thought that they might bring him back, have him practice, sit out one yeah. more game, possibly two, and bring him back post by. But according to uh, Kramer here, he's expected to play on Sunday. Yeah, I guess I'm a little surprised too. Um, I thought they might use this week just to kind of see where he's at, get him back into kind of football condition as as much as you can in practice. Um, you know, they're obviously not going in game conditions and tackling and all that thing. All that kind of stuff, but and then just kind of see where he is, um, you know, emotionally and mentally. And but as as they made it clear that day, whether it was Everson talking or Mike Zimmer talking, that this is a group game plan with Everson, his family, his doctors, the team. I, I assume Rick Spielman, Kevin Warren. So up to the Wills, probably up to the Wills. And yep. so they they clearly mapped this out, and I assume they said okay. Come back this week into practice, and as long as there's no setbacks, as long as you're still feeling good, you know you can play. Now, let's see how much he plays. I, I'd be surprised if he starts. It might just be a play to you know here or there. Um, but this is not something I think. You know, Zimmer said, "Well, let's see how he is on Friday." I, I have to think going into this week, this was their idea all along that if everything went smoothly or, or there was no issues throughout the week that he would he would be dressed right. in on the field. Yeah, and I'm interested too to see now how this proceeds because it is it's such a unique situation mm-hmm. as well, Chip. It's not an injury where you're coming back and you you know you have a history of ACLs or a history of arm problems. Yeah, it's so this is very much. I, I think the expectation to your point 
needs to be to slow down a bit because this is this is very much a a one step at a time situation as opposed to okay he's been cleared he's fine and now he's going to play yeah. you know take your pick on snaps well the one thing I, I will say is that I trust doctors more than I trust me well we don't know and so if the doctors are saying this is fine for him to get back and be you know try to get back to his normal life mm-hmm. uh, and that's being around team playing you know the the kind of the rhythm of season practice every day and so you have to trust what they're saying and and if they're going to put him on the field I have to think that the medical uh, people said yeah this is it's fine for for what we see and so that's the thing this is so unique I, I've never experienced it in, in terms of covering it uh, for a story in my career I'm sure no you just you know, for for Zimmer, this is probably new territory. Spielman, everybody, but that's why I have to believe they're taking their cues from his doctors. And ding ding. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're taking his cues from doctors, and I'm sure they signed off on on this. So Griffin is expected to play on Sunday, but in the rematch of this game, not all the news is good. Hannah steps into it. Passes. That was January 14th in the second round playoff, divisional playoff game between the Vikings and Saints in which the Vikings won Chip Scoggins on a remarkable last play. Let me give you the rest of the outs and doubtfuls and questionables for Sunday's game versus a Saints team that is very good with a 39-year-old quarterback playing out of his mind right now. Out, Anthony Barr. Out, Delvin Cook. Out, Andrew Sandejo. Mm -hmm. End guard, Tom Compton. Doubtful left tackle, Riley Reef, who was limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday and then was held out of practice on Friday. Questionable, this is very important, mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes and Linval Joseph. There's only so many hits that a defense can take against a Breeze offense yeah. before it gets to be... Uh, you, you can only ask so much of Holton Hill against Drew Breeze. Yeah, and and even if, if uh, Rhodes and, and Joseph are... are able to play, how effective can they be? Because if you're questionable, obviously, I, I saw a tweet, I think it was from Andrew, uh, from my paper today, that he was still limping pretty noticeably at practice today. So, how much improvement can you make in 48 hours from now? So, you know, if, if it's a high ankle sprain or even an ankle sprain, how effective can he be uh, on game day? So, yeah, this is not ideal uh, when you're facing that offense and Drew Brees, who's completing 80% of his passes almost and, and has the highest, highest passer rate. The man rate. is 39 years old. And it, that's the thing. He's like, and your question to Zimmer this week was fantastic. Yes. And when when he finally said, "Yeah, you should retire," it, it's amazing that he's leading the NFL in passer rating, leading in, in completion percentage. And you just watch him play, and you know, you think back to Peyton Manning. He was crawling to the finish line, right? I mean, they were dragging him to the finish. I line. said he should retire. Yeah, I know. This guy is. There's no. You don't see the physical drop off. He hasn't thrown a pick yet. Yeah, he hasn't thrown a pick yet. Well, Seven I t- weeks into the season. I, I talked to Ben Lieber for that column, and, and Ben was his uh, teammate early in his career at San Diego, and they worked out for five years in the offseason. And he said that guy, he was always the leader in every drill, whether it's uh, sprints, running long distance, weights in the weight room in, during this offseason conditioning. Um, he said he's never seen a guy work like that. And yep. so it, he said that's why you see a guy who's not breaking down. And he said he was one of the first players 
that that he saw that really paid attention to, to nutrition, what you're putting in your body. And this was, you know, how is that important? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, at nutrition, nutrition, look at us nutrition, two specimens here. Is yeah. nutrition important? Somebody should have told yeah, me. That's right. I mean, this was, you know, yep. 15 years ago, whatever it was, um, before that really became the kind of the craze. And we covered Favre in 2009 at this exact same age. But the thing with Favre that was easy to comprehend was to his last day on the field, the arm was always there. Yeah. The arm was incredible. With Breeze... It's accuracy and, and intangibles. It's accuracies, intangibles, and that scheme. I mean, yep. that's that scheme. It, it, you talk about a coach and quarterback being on, you know, just married. That is that is the perfect uh, combination there. All right, let's get to this now. I know you've always said that um, you won't make a deal unless it improves your team. If you have a deal that improves your team five years from now more than it does one or two years from now. Is that a factor in what you're doing? I mean, no, you, have to- you just got to do what's right. You know, to me, it's like if something is a good deal, and you think you're you're getting good value, you, you have to do what's right for the franchise. Is Jimmy leaving? <laughs> Can Tibbs let him go? These are the days of our wolves. All right, Manny Hill, I'm correct in saying the soundbite where we just heard uh, Britt Robson of The Athletic in Minnesota ask Tibbs a question was from today's shoot-around, correct? Correct, yep. Okay, so Chip, here's what we know so far. Your colleague, Kent Youngblood, has tweeted within the last couple hours that Butler has now been added to the Wolves' injury report for tonight's game against the Milwaukee Bucks at Target Center as questionable because of an illness. Mm. All right? We also saw the uh, Woj bomb yesterday that the Houston Rockets have supposedly offered a deal that includes four first-round picks to the Timberwolves and a couple of players in a deal that would send, because of NBA rules, draft picks in potentially 2019, 21, 23, and 25 yeah. to the Wolves. So your your thoughts on where, as the Wolves' turn stands right now? The, and, and I thought Britt's question was uh, really, really good because it, it, it highlights again, and we've talked about, why you don't have, why you need a separation of power between a coach and a GM. A coach mm-hmm. is thinking right now, a GM thinks long term. And that's and that's what this deal would be because you're talking about seven years out. Well, Tom Thibodeau's not thinking seven years out. A coach cannot think seven years from He's now. He's not thinking next season, no. to be honest with you no. guys. No, and a coach right can't. Now. A coach cannot. They have to think about today, tomorrow, next week. They can't think about seven years from now, but a GM can. And a guy who's, who's if you have a separate... Uh, you know, guy in that in that position that that can say, you know what, I know you're worried about today, but for this franchise, I got to do what's right for the franchise long term. And if we're not going to get anything for Butler at the end of this season, I got to take this, even if it's, we have to look that far down the road. And so, this is just another example of why it's not a good idea to have one guy coaching and making the personnel decisions. Here's Tibbs' response again. I know you've always said that um, you won't make a deal unless it improves your team. If you have a deal that improves your team five years from now more than it does one or two years from now. Is that a factor in what you're doing? I mean, No, you, have to- you just got to do what's right. You know, to me, it's like if something is a good deal and you think you're, you're getting good value, you, you have to do what's right for the franchise. All right, Chip, here, here's a question that I posed to Manny and Phil on Thursday's show, and I will ask you the exact same question. And it's being this is being completely lost by everybody who is talking about this potential Butler trade. People are like, well, this is great. There, there's teams coming to the Wolves now, and if you just hold them and hold them and hold them, they're gonna, it's going to get better and better and better. And the thing that I believe people are firmly just ignoring or not realizing about this is 
You can't tell me that Carl Anthony Towns is being impacted every day that Butler is here. So how long? How long in your mind is this game worth it? At the and you can moan and complain all you want about Cat's maturity here. Yeah. But how long is this worth it to be at the expense of Cat? having a player that he clearly, I think it's safe to say, just hates. Yeah, because you watch the way his body language and just his level of engagement the other night, and it was non-existent. Was brutal. I mean, there was nothing there. And whether, whatever percentage of the, the butler factor is is that, versus just the guy just not having a bad day at the office. But if it's affecting him, then you can't allow this to drag on. The end game still doesn't change the fact that Butler does not want to be here. He will not re-sign with you, so that that hasn't changed, and he's made that clear that hasn't changed. And so, you can drag it out all you know as long as you want, and let it affect your team. But the, the end result has not changed, and that's he he doesn't want to be part of the saying. He's going to walk for nothing. And so, you know, whether that deal is you know good, bad, indifferent, I think they have to at least look at this and be proactive and say, let's just hit pause and see how this plays out a little bit. No, I think you still have to be very proactive in trying to move him. And we keep hearing Tibbs say, well, we got to do what's right for the franchise. We got to do what's best for the franchise. Okay, well, the guy you just signed a five-year max extension to is clearly not right. So you have to do what's best for the franchise, right? And figure out what's going on with him. Mm -hmm. Because he's in the long-term plans. And, you know, we just talked about Tibbs not thinking long-term. He's thinking right now. Well, Tibbs, newsflash, right now, Carl Anthony Towns is not right. When yeah. Jimmy Butler's playing, something is going on there where Carl Anthony Towns is not focused. Rather, he's he needs to grow up a little bit, obviously, but something is off. And it's your job as the head coach and president of basketball operations to fix it. And, that, and that's the whole thing is, is you know, Butler, when he came back, he, when he did the, uh, the ESPN in, interview, he said, oh, it has nothing to do with the players. Really? I mean, yeah, right. Anybody who's around the team last year said, yeah, there was, I mean, you, you complained about them ad nauseum every time you got a chance, you ripped them. So you can't come back and say, nah, it's not about the players. Absolutely, it was about the players. Mm-hmm. And it was about the contract. We know he wanted them to renegotiate and get a bigger salary. But yeah, if it's if it's infiltrated that locker room to the degree that you think it has and it's, it's affecting Towns and his performance, then this cannot drag out months. And he's the only one I care about. Andrew, I don't care. If yeah, but, yeah, but Judd, I, that's a lot of money you have tied up in him to not care. True, but I, I just personally almost don't care about him. But if it's impacting Towns, you've got to trade him, and you've got to trade him soon. Yeah. And it's as if Tibbs is very content, or not as if, he is very content to drag his feet here. And I still want to know who is supposedly taking these calls. Because Scott Layden is not going to trade Jimmy Butler. The only guy that can trade Jimmy Butler would be, in this case, Glenn Taylor. Manny Hill, I have a question for you. Okay. Because you are Mr. Trivia, and especially Mr. (laughs) Trivia NBA. I was alive for this, and I've heard of this guy. But what exactly, what NBA sin did Ted Stepien, who used to own the Cavaliers, commit to have a bunch of rules that were put into place which prevent teams from trading first-round picks in consecutive future years? He Ted Stepien made some type of trade with Cleveland that traded away so many of the Cavaliers' future first-round picks that basically the league said, we have to prohibit people like you. If you people out there think Glenn is bad, Ted Stepien must be the worst owner in the history of sports. What years was that? Late 70s. I remember him. I I don't at all. Was Mussy there? Yes. 
Okay. So we, you know what? That might actually be a better question for Patrick when we get Patrick later on today. Okay. Mussy Patrick, was there. Patrick could probably tell you all about but when when Mussy was in Cleveland. There's a, the reason why the Wolves can't get like four first round picks <laughs> in consecutive yeah. is Ted Stepien. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a break, come back. Uh, in fact, let's come back and talk about a game that's going to be played tonight. That's right, college football on a Friday night. It's absolutely perfect. Mackie and Judd, which right now is uh, Zolgad, Manny Hill, Chip Scoggins, and we, of course, as always, are in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Team Windsor loses. We should always be focused on the fact that we want goofy SOPs to write about. Okay. Yes. Let, me, let me just say that. Whether somebody wins or loses is meaningless. We just want goofy SOPs. Okay. Bill Musselman is one of my all-time top five or six favorites, and you got to remember he's also Tibbs' mentor. Tibbs learned everything he knows from Bill, which is win tonight's game. Okay. Right. But anyway, yeah, we don't care about the future of the franchise. The hell with the franchise. We care about beating Utah tonight. Anyway, uh, Musk got hired by Stepien, who, by the way, is crazy, was crazy, and Musk was crazy. So that was a bad combination. And Musk got there and, and, and immediately saw that the Cavs, rather than having the Cavs rebuild, it was time to try to win now, which, of course, they had no chance to do. But he traded two number one draft choices to, was it Dallas, for Jerome Whitehead and Richard Washington. He, he traded two number ones to them. All right. And the, and the punchline on this story was my friend Sheldon Ocker, now Baseball Hall of Famer, one of the many guys who's beaten me in the ballot for the Hall of Famer. <laughs> and... Uh, Sheldon was covering the Cavs for the Akron paper, and he they had just first game after they gave up two number ones for these guys. Uh, they were playing in Denver. Uh, Musselman played Richard Washington. He liked Whitehead, who was a big, strong thug of a guy for Mar- Marquette, you know. But he played Richard Washington, who was a UCLA power forward, stretch four before there was such a thing. Played him three minutes and announced after the game, that guy can't play for me. <laughs> <laughs> Three minutes, and he'd just given up a number one. And I think they traded another one. I think they traded three number one oh. for non-entity. <laughs> and uh, Stepien sold to the guns, but one of the, uh, uh, the thing for the guns to buy the team from this goofball was that they had to restore some of the number ones they traded not where they were in the draft but to at least give them a couple of number ones back from all the ones that Stepien and Muss had traded and Stepien by the way named uh, when he fired Muss I believe he named a guy who worked for him in his business office as the coach uh, and, and the other thing about Stepien and I'll let you go is he later on bought the national soft pitch uh, uh, slow pitch softball league it was a six-team league. We had a franchise here for a while, the Goofies, the Minnesota Goofies. But he bought the league, and he owned five of the six teams, and the one team that he didn't own won the championship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So anyway, that's Ted Stepping. Uh, I'll talk, we'll t- uh, talk to you later. Talk to you later. Uh, <laughs> okay, now we know. That's great. You see? 
And I'm, I'm, I'm on the Ted Stepien Wikipedia page right now, and I'm you know, just skimming over a lot of stuff. And it says, at one point, the Cavs had traded away five consecutive first-round picks covering 1982 until 1985. The NBA thereafter instituted the Stepien rule, which states that a team usually cannot trade its first-round pick in consecutive years. So. Can, you, can you imagine, though? Trading the pick, playing him three minutes and coming out and saying, this yeah. guy's no good. That guy can't play. <laughs> he can't yeah. play. And by the way, an assistant on that guy's staff circa 1989 was Tibbs. Yeah. That's Mussy. Yeah. So there you go. It's all come full circle. <laughs> you want to know? Train Butler. You want to know? You want to know why Jimmy Butler is being held hostage at Target Center right now? Oh, my goodness. It's, oh. the, it's the legacy of a Mussy guy. Oh my goodness! All right, what do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on Friday night football? Hate for the golfers? it. Hate it. Go ahead. It's a uh, it's a Jim Delaney money grab. It's college football should not be played on Friday night. One hundred. That's that's agree. the old joke about the Mac, right? Uh, the old joke is they play on every day except Saturday, and that's <laughs> <laughs> you know to get on to get yeah. on ESPN. Yes. This all this is is programming. They want something to have on on Big Ten Network or TV on a Friday night. And it, it makes no sense. So, I hate it. So is Jim Delaney, I understand that the conference is, I think, swimming in cash. Yes. But there's, <laughs> there's no thing to but it. There's, it but there's nothing about Jim Delaney that I like. He's the reason he and Barry are, are why Big Ten hockey started. And the next person that tells me to back off Big Ten hockey, I'm going to go after you. Because <laughs> Big Ten hockey exists as what they call in the TV business tonnage. Like, for anybody that thinks that there's any good intention behind it, Delaney, as far as I can figure, is is the reason why what used to be the standing afternoon, Saturday afternoon game at Williams Arena for golf or basketball is now played, as Royce says, on 5 o'clock on a Sunday night. Yeah. Has Jim Delaney done anything that, as a fan of your sport, you consider good? He's made schools rich. But I don't really care that much. Does the average fan care? No, I mean, you got one word, Rutgers. What is Rutgers doing in the Big Ten? <laughs> Why is Maryland in there Maryland, too? Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, get the East the Coast whole, out of here just to get the you know just to get the network on the on the cable providers out there. And it's like I don't even know if people that went to Rutgers care about Rutgers football. Oh, they sure they don't. And, well, and they're they're a bit, Rutgers is abysmal at just about every sport, every yeah. revenue generating sport. They're terrible. Yeah. Yes, I'm trying. I was gonna try and say something, but they, they yeah. used to be. No, I think they used to right. have a, a a decent women's basketball. Yeah, when program, Vivian Stringer was there, but, but yeah. she's not there anymore, and they're no. not even any good anymore. Yeah, so, think, it, so I just it you know, to me, and maybe I'm old school and get off my lawn, but Friday nights for high school no, football. Fr- Friday yeah. night, no, no, it's for high school football. If, sorry, if high schools didn't play on Friday nights, I still don't think it's got a place. Yeah, and, and plus, what are you doing, giving us? Minnesota, Indiana. What, As a fan of college football, I'm offended. You've mm-hmm. offended me with these two teams. Now, you know, I can't even imagine what actual attendance is going to be there tonight with the rain and being a Friday night and there's high school playoffs games going on. If there's 25, I'll be surprised. How much trouble should the uh, Gopher defensive coordinator be in, do you think? Because think this is this yeah. is awful. Yeah, I think. Not I, acceptable. Yeah, if I'm P.J. Fleck, I think he needs to take a long, hard look at what Rob Smith's doing because this is not, this is not working. And this is not... 15 freshmen out there playing. This is last week at Nebraska. They lined up and started nine upperclassmen. Now you can say, well, PJ didn't recruit them. Okay. But those, some of those guys had success under the last uh, regime and they shouldn't be this bad. 
if if you line up with all freshmen, you should not give up 700 yards and 53 points. Especially especially against a Nebraska team that's also starting and playing a lot of younger players. Yeah, let's offense. not forget their quarterback was a true freshman. Exactly. Who who yeah. had who was the, you know the, the the quarterback of the week. So they everybody can play everybody's young. You can play that game. This is not it's not working. And I explained this to Phil, too, because we have, I think, a fundamental disagreement about where this program should be. And I'm all, listen, flex and no trouble, okay? No, like there's, there's no, There's no conversation Nor should he be. There's no conversation there. But what I told Phil was, you know, in the next year or two, there's going to be expectations. And, mm-hmm. well, there should be. And Phil Fleck is an offensive guy. And I think he's actually pretty good. But you can't then have the guy running your defense be a liability. You've got to make sure that that thing is set to go. And and by the yeah. way, that's not your baby. Mm-hmm. Your baby is the offense. So so God forbid, for his sake, we get to 2020 and the offense is clicking and looking great, and you can't stop anybody. And that's the that's thing. what he has to be worried about. Correct, because I mean, you talked about how young they are. I like their their freshman wide receivers. Those guys are going to be good. I like the quarterback. But you know, Tanner Morgan showed me something last week. I mean, I think they have something there with these two guys. They just have to develop it. Defensively, I don't know what they're doing. I honestly don't. I mean, when well, you're giving up 43 and a half points a game in Big Ten, you you can't win that way. And let's remember too, Rob Smith, if I'm not mistaken, came from Arkansas, Arkansas right? Yes, yes. And wasn't that kind of a under yes. those couple of years under Bielema? That was kind of a disaster too, wasn't Correct. it? Correct. Yes, it was. And so, and and so I, yeah, I think if you're not taking a hard look, if you're if you're flecking, you don't take a hard look at what's going on defensively, then. Hey, that comes back to you because you you can't you can't just keep saying we're young, young, young. If there's right. something wrong with your scheme, something wrong with coaching, whatever, and you know they're just abysmal right now defensively. Manny, we forgot Rocky Top. We did forget Rocky. Can we play Top. the guy out at least? Yeah, yeah, let me. Can we play the guy out at least? Let's see. see I, don't I, I, feel, long it takes. I feel especially stupid because I love the Vols too. I know so you I, do. I, I, I know. Let's actually, play Chip out in a proper way. I'll gotta, see you at the I press gotta, box tonight. I gotta fix it. And... Yeah, you, me, and 13 people. <laughs> all right, here we go. Here. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank see, you. See you, Chip Scott. Chip will be back, I believe, hopefully next Thursday with us in his ordinary time at uh, 3 o'clock. All right, from Chip to Doogie, we're going to get a scoop. I am told there is some Butler intelligence coming our way. Mackie and Judd, right now, Zolgad and Manny Hill, 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Well, join Derek Wetmore at the Corner Bar in Minneapolis from 7 to 9 tomorrow, tomorrow night, for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy an ice cold one and register to win that new TV. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Hey, yeah, I want a scoop, baby. Scoop, scoop, baby. I know you've always said that um, you won't make a deal unless it improves your team. If you have a deal that improves your team five years from now more than it does one or two years from now, is that a factor in what you're doing? I mean, no, you, have to... you just got to do what's right. You know, to me, it's like if something is a good deal, and you think you're you're getting good value, you, you have to do what's right for the franchise. Scoop time. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel Five Eyewitness News, joins us now. And uh, Doogie, let's start with what uh, a lot of people are talking about, and Woj is dropping bombs about 
The latest on the Jimmy Butler which uh, situation, which included the report yesterday that the Rockets are offering four first-round picks. Can't be consecutive because of Ted Stepien in a deal for Jimmy Butler. What can you tell us to bring fresh information to the table? Good afternoon, gentlemen. TGIF. I am Thanks for playing hurt too, convinced. By the way. Yeah. Well, I'm drugged up pretty good right now, though. Mucinex. Okay. I got the dump button right here. Mucinex is a godsend. I got the dump button just in case. And I'm on the road to recovery, but yeah, it's been a rough week. That's what happens when you have kids. I've no, gone on this tangent are, for years you on, are on sick, this frequency. Your, your poor kids get you sicker than it anyone is. else's kids. I, and and I'm not a case, dad, so. It's my nephew. My mother-in-law got sick from a birthday party we were at on Saturday. But yeah, it's one thing after another in the Wolfson household. But yeah, I'm here. I'm on the road to recovery. Okay, here's what I'm led to believe. I am convinced that the Rockets leaked the story to Woj. This was not a Wolves leak. Now, some people think, well, the Jimmy Butler camp. What about the Butler camp? They want Jimmy out of here. Did they leak it? And I promise you, they've leaked plenty. In this case, no. My sense is Houston leaked it because the Wolves said no to the offer. The Wolves have already told the Rockets, we are not doing that trade. And Houston wants to put pressure now on Glenn Taylor. Glenn, look at this offer. We offered four first-round picks. I mean, on the surface, four first-round picks. Whoa. When you dig a little bit deeper, yeah. Okay, the 2019 first-round pick, it's a bad draft anyway. That pick will be pick 28-29. That is a bad pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2021, the Rockets are still going to be good. That pick is going to be somewhere between 20 and 30 in all likelihood. That is not a good pick. Those picks in 23 and 25 could be good. But then you need to take back Brandon Knight's contract. Ugh, Manny, gross. two years, $30 million left on that deal. And he has like not played at all because he missed all last year because he tore his ACL last summer. The knee is a wreck. I had and, an NBA source tell me last yeah. night, Brandon Knight's knee is a wreck. And if you're wondering why the Rockets acquired him, they're actually saving money this year on the luxury tax by dumping Ryan Anderson, who's actually playing and he's a good player. Phoenix, but that's a yeah. lot of money onto the Suns. So the Rockets knew they were taking back damaged goods with Brandon Knight, but they wanted to save over $10 million on the luxury tax this year. But you want, if you're the Wolves, you want nothing to do with Brandon Knight. Nope. You just don't. So if it's Knight it. plus Chris, who was a top five pick a couple of years ago, maybe he still has a chance to be a role guy, but there's not much there. He's got two years left at like seven and a half or eight million total. He's a nice dunker. He's okay, but that's not a good offer. And I'm still inclined to believe that the Wolves would prefer move Jimmy East. That why do you want to turn the Rockets into a powerhouse? Now, if the Rockets make the right offer, if the Rockets offer Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, plus four first-round picks, okay. I mean, that's one of those you just you can't say no to. But Brandon Knight, Oof. Chris, plus these four firsts, when you know that two of them aren't going to be good, the 2019 first-round pick will be awful. I'm telling you, this draft, last year's draft was great. The 2018 draft, this yep. past season's draft. Yep. So who are this the— This is a bad upcoming draft. Who are the viable teams uh, in the coming weeks or month, in addition to Houston, to be involved here? Well, and, Miami for sure. So I they're, mean, if they're, I still, still, they're still yes, involved? I mean, I'm telling you, when, when you All exchange right. medical records— you were so close to making a deal happen. They will revisit those talks. All right. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they've already revisited those talks. Now, I told you either last week or the week before, the one thing the Wolves don't want is Deion Waiters. He's got three years, $36 million left on his contract. That is a really bad contract. Mm-hmm. But would Miami eventually budge and say, okay, we're middle of the pack. Miami's off to a questionable start. We will give you Richardson. Magruder's playing well for them. You know, so they have that young wing. We'll give you Josh Richardson. We'll give you... Kelly Olenek? Olenek and a future first. I'd take that. And I think if the Wolves eventually get that offer, that might be enough. I would take that. I would t- Well, and I even told you, Manny, just to move on from the circus, now from a talk radio standpoint, give me the fodder. I hope this thing goes until the first week of February. Yep. <laughs> but if I was the Wolves, yep. to move on from the circus, I mean, Charles Barkley last night on Inside the NBA is talking about how Cat is ruined by Jimmy Butler. In fact, I mean, just to move on from the circus, Yep. I'll let you play the somebody in a second, but just to move on from the circus, I'm on record saying, because I love Richardson so much, I would do Richardson, Waiters, and a future first. But I'm just telling you, the Wolves don't want Waiters. All right, here is Tibbs on Cat. Uh, the offense I'm not worried about because he's such a, you know, he, I know he's a gifted, very gifted, and uh, he's not making shots that he normally makes, and, and that'll come. And I think the effort that he's giving us defensively is, you know, very good. And so I, and and I think that, you know, and again, I think, you know, the more time everyone gets together, the better we'll get. He looks miserable to me. In Toronto, he looked in almost agony as far as, if you were to say, are you having any fun playing sports? He looks like he wants a puke. When does he ever pull himself out of a game? Can you ever recall him saying, get me out? He did that on Wednesday. He waved. He said, get me out of the game. Jim, That's not Cat. Jim Pete said it. Yeah. I mean, Jim Jim Pete is great. Don't get me wrong. But for Jim Pete to say, bring in Gorgie and to say, Cat has decided he does not want to play tonight, so so be it, on Fox Sports North? That is incredibly telling. I'm with you. So something is clearly off. I've been asked, is he hurt? No, I don't think he's hurt. So... I'll leave that up to you. I'll leave that up to you, the listener, what you think is going on with Cat right now. I will say that the first Tibbs soundbite you played, that's the answer you wanted to hear on the trade front, but Tibbs wants to make a trade right now where it helps the now, not the future. So I don't Mm. think Tibbs, even though he said the right thing, that's not what he'll end up (laughs) doing, okay? That second soundbite, that soundbite you just played, I take Tibbs at face value on that. That cat's eventually going to start making some shots, and he's actually giving pretty good effort. Not all the time. And he's still making some mental mistakes. But I think for the most part, the effort on defense has been pretty good. But yeah, something, especially Wednesday, something was absolutely off. And hey, Jimmy Butler is allegedly sick, so we don't even know if he'll play tonight. I saw that. Yeah. Watch him sit out and watch Cat score 50. You know what's amazing, too? And to. You know, just going off of what Tibbs said about, you know, worrying about now and not being focused about the future and, and, and all of that. I mean, to me, it's like moving Jimmy Butler also, to me, helps the now just in the case of Carl Anthony Towns. You got to, I mean, there, there is something off with him. And I think this whole Butler thing and Tibbs... I, you know, I don't know if Tibbs is what Tibbs has done in terms of just managing these personalities and these relationships and everything. Something's off, and something's got to be done now to try and make sure that this is not 
a permanent thing long-term for Carl Anthony Towns. Not to mention, Manny, that the way Jimmy plays, he's still playing incredibly hard, that there is the possibility that he suffers some sort of catastrophic injury. Mm -hmm. Nobody would ever root for that, but, you know, torn Achilles, something catastrophic, right? If that happens, I mean, border up, right? I mean, that's it. It's over. Like, you can't. You can't play this thing out. Some people have said, why don't you just play this thing out? I know. Call his bluff. You're the only one that can offer him five years, $190 million. You would have his bird rights. I'm telling you, I think he'd sign elsewhere for 4140 he, he, he doesn't care. He, he wants out. But, I mean, 4140 is still unbelievable money. He would take 4140 somewhere else. Half the league is going to have really good cap space next summer. He right. would take. But unfor- I'm just telling you, he would take 4140 elsewhere. But unfortunately, your chief basketball executive is convinced that if he trades Butler, that he's going to lose his job as well after this season at the very latest. I know. So he doesn't care about the future at all. Correct. So that's your problem. And that's the slippery slope that we've talked about how many different times where you have the coach who's also the president of operations. Mm-hmm. That's why I still firmly believe... That in the end, it might be February fifth, the day before the deadline. But you're, but you're. But at some point, okay, the owner is going Dukes. to step in and execute but a Dukes, trade. Dukes, you just you said before, and you're right about this. February fifth is too late because what if Butler mm-hmm. easily Butler gets, gets hurt, hurt before then? Mm-hmm. What if I? You are, and I understand he signed to a big contract, and I understand the sports fan my age doesn't care. But if you really don't give a damn about Cat in this day and age, you're making a huge mistake. So if you keep Jimmy and just say, we're keeping Jimmy, look at this guy. This guy has the ability to someday be a superstar. And he's already probably bordering when playing well on on star status or slightly above. And so you're telling me that you're willing to alienate that player for the sake of keeping guy who's going to leave you at the altar as soon as possible? So I'm with what you said before, which is you have to do it soon. February 5th is foolishness. Absolutely foolishness. Well, they're allegedly soliciting calls. I'm sure there's some teams lurking. Whether it's Philadelphia, I brought up Denver last week. New Orleans is another team. Heck, the team that's at Target Center tonight. I still think Milwaukee, Milwaukee depending yeah. on the right situation. They got the new building. They're not moving Middleton, but that they would have some interest. Sure. So I think there's enough I'd teams lurking. I'd take Brogdon back. I like Brogdon. I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. I'd yeah, I mean, you would need Robert. a little bit more than that. Right. Would they do DiVincenzo? I mean, that's a player the Wolves really liked in the pre-draft process. I mean, I don't know. You know, that's pure speculation, but I'm just saying, I think there's enough teams lurking. that yeah, if they at some point decide to be uber-aggressive, I still sense that they are sitting back, taking calls, not necessarily making calls. Right. But yeah, you can make the case that they should be uber-aggressive, that Scott Layden should be on the phone 12 hours a day trying to find the best offer ASAP. Uh, give me more scoops starting with Gopher football, which plays tonight against Indiana. Tanner Morgan expected to make his first collegiate start. Mm. I was told that he knew he was starting as soon as Wednesday. That Anikstead is actually in the concussion protocol. So he was taken to the hospital, tested with what, what? they call it, some internal injury. Yeah, I was thought it was like... Yeah. Well, Mid-section, I'm just telling you what you? I was told. But yeah, bottom line, I'm led to believe that Tanner Morgan is making his first collegiate start tonight, that Anikstead is out, that he did not practice earlier in the week. Okay. And yeah, I mean, we have... no, But hey, O.J. Smith, Terrell Smith, I mean, those guys were out earlier this year. I mean, I thought at some point with, with everything changing on the betting front nationwide, I even talked to Mark Coyle about this going back a number of months, that eventually the Big Ten is going to put out an injury report just like the NFL, but they don't. 
So they have no obligation to tell us anything. So a couple weeks ago, this great freshman cornerback Smith is nowhere to be found. Post-game, Flex said, concussion. I don't even know if Flex said it. You know, I think after people realized he's not in the field, okay, it's time to start digging. Then you find out, concussion. O.J. Smith, good defensive tackle. The Alabama transfer, concussion. But there's no obligation on their end to tell us anything on the injury front. So, yeah, I mean, your eyebrows went up because, yeah, we didn't hear anything about like Anikstead being in the concussion protocol. I thought it was like a spleen or something. Well, yeah. And that's what they said post game. Then he went to go get some things tested yep. internally. But, yeah, apparently he got knocked, you know, a little senseless, too. So maybe he'll pass it eventually. I don't think Anikstead's season is over by any stretch. But, yeah, I fully expect Tanner Morgan to start tonight. Two NFL teams will be scouting tonight's game. The Vikings will have a healthy contingent there and the San Francisco 49ers. I have a few other notes before this segment ends. Trevor Rosenthal, pretty good reliever back in the day. for The St. Louis Cardinals underwent, I think it was Tommy John surgery. Missed all of last year. He held a showcase a couple days ago out west. The Twins were among teams represented there. You know, the Twins, you can argue, need all sorts of bullpen help. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a pretty good free agent class of relievers, but add Trevor Rosenthal. guy. They actually had some interest in last winter. You know, they signed Michael Pineda to that deal where they knew Pineda wouldn't pitch for most of this year. Right. You know, they had interest in actually signing Rosenthal a year ago. So Trevor Rosenthal, a name to watch this winter. Also, what else did I write down? Richard Patino, Gophers men's basketball coach, was in Huntsville, Alabama earlier this week. Kobe Brown is a recruit that visited here a couple weeks ago. He's got Missouri. He's got a bunch of other Power 5-type offers. I mean, Patino needs to do something with this 2019 recruiting. I mean, he doesn't have a commit right now. The kid, Trey Jackson, decommitted a couple weeks ago. Missouri was in his ear the whole time. I mean, the question is, why did he ever commit to the Gophers in the first place? But The Gophers technically lost him. They have all these scholarship openings for the 2019 class. They don't have one commitment right now. So Patino trying to wow. work his butt off. So yeah, he went down to Huntsville, Alabama, middle of the week, just to massage Kobe Brown. But I don't think Kobe's making any sort of commitment anytime soon. Thanks for playing hurt, sir. All right, boys. Have Check a good weekend. You, you too. Check out the Scoop Podcast with Doogie. You can find it at Podcast One, iTunes, and 1500ESPN.com. That is the Scoop with Doogie, which you can also hear on the Mackie and Judd show on a weekly basis as well as the longer version online. Let's come back, wrap up this hour. Then Matthew Collar's going to step into studio at 4 o'clock. Tom Pelissero at 4.15. He'll be working the Viking Saints for NFL Network this weekend. And then Sam Munson, a pro football focus at 4.30. Yes, that's right. The football hour is actually going to run two hours today on Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic. Westbound 62, we still have that crash uh, between Bloomington Avenue South and Portland Avenue in Richfield. Figure an extra 17 minutes uh, to your commute if you're headed westbound on 62. And also, 494 eastbound, we've got a crash in Edina between 169 and West Bush Lake Road. Factor in an extra nine minutes there, Judd. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd right now is uh, Judd and Manny Hill. Matthew Collar is going to be in for the final two hours. As I said before, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, he is uh, going to be covering Saints-Vikings 
on Sunday. He will join us at 4.15. Uh, he did not join us yesterday because we did so much Rocco Baldelli um, breaking down at the Twins' new manager. Sam Munson, Pro Football Focus at 4.30. Sage Rosenfels makes his weekly appearance at 5.15. We have taped that, and I can tell you right now, you don't want to miss it. Very good. Some great stuff on Drew Brees, some great stuff on the Saints, and some outstanding insight on the 2009 NFC title game, including a heartbreaking nugget if that game was played today. Uh, if you did not hear off the top of the show, Vikings injury report is out. Anthony Barr hamstring is out for Sunday. Mm. Tom Compton, who was your starting left guard until he left uh, Sunday's game against the Jets with a knee injury, is out. So Danny Isadora will start there. I don't know if that's a huge step down. The Barr injury, of course, is significant. Compton, mm-hmm. I think, can be replaced. Uh, as Pelissero reported earlier in the week, Dalvin Cook hamstring is out, and as Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, our friend, alluded to at around the same time, the expectation now is that Dalvin Cook will not be back until after the bye. The Vikings will play host to the Saints on Sunday, and then a week from Sunday will play host to the Lions and then have a bye. Dalvin Cook with a hamstring probably out until after that bye. Linval Joseph. It's down to an ankle and knee, Manny. It's no longer three things. We're down to two things. It was also the shoulder, too. Shoulder, thank right. you. Thank yeah. you. He was limited in practice all week. He is questionable for Sunday. Riley Reef, who must have broken his foot and has missed the past two games and practiced on a limited basis on Wednesday and Thursday, did not practice today. Mike Zimmer said that Reef did not suffer a setback, but he is listed as doubtful. Xavier Rhodes, cornerback, and this one is absolutely key, did not practice all week with a foot injury suffered against the Jets on Sunday, is questionable. That one, that one, no matter what you think, even if you think that Rhodes hasn't been Rhodes in 2018, if we're talking a combination of McKenzie Alexander and Holton Hill trying to replace him against Drew Brees and Thomas, that is a big deal. And Andrew Sandejo, uh, safety, groin injury, I think he's missed the past three games now. If I'm correct on that, mm-hmm. he is listed as out. So George Iloka, who I think's done a fine job, will start him his place. I'm gonna ask when we get Collar in here uh, to start the next hour. I'm gonna ask him about what this does if if Rhodes can't go on Sunday. What this means for Trey Wayne's if Trey Wayne's is going to have to shadow Michael Thomas because that's basically. I mean, last year Rhodes was basically shadowing Michael Thomas. If I'm not mistaken for the most part Rhodes was pretty much on him all, yeah, all I, that whole game I think that's right so I think you're right now I'm wondering if if Rhodes is going to be out are they going to because the Saints they like to move guys around but you know they're not going to just have I don't think they're going to just have Michael Thomas on the right side or on or just on the left side they're going to move him around a little bit so I'm wondering if that means that Trey Waynes is going to have to shadow him because if Rhodes can't go Trey Waynes is your best corner Easily. Easily. Like, it's not even close. Not even a discussion. So now I just wonder if that means that Waynes is going to have to shadow him, and then you just hope that Holton Hill and Mackenzie Alexander is just going to pick you apart. Yeah, well, that's, I mean. That's the problem. And and again, you know, they didn't, this this is kind of uncharted territory for this team, at least in a, in a long time, because they didn't have to deal with this last year. They didn't have to deal with multiple guys potentially being out just I told, on the defensive I side told of you, the ball. I looked it up Sunday. I found, I want to say, three or four man games with key starters missed, mm-hmm. and that was it. Griffin missed one game with the foot injury against Washington after he got hurt in London. And I believe Sandejo missed two games with a hamstring and or a groin. I think it was a groin. And, and he was suspended for one game. 
Yep. So that's four man games lost to injury of key defensive players in an entire regular season. Oh, and Griffin was was uh, added to the injury report. He was left off initially, and then I guess, according to the Pioneer Press, the league called the Vikings and said you can't do that because he's been out for such a long period of time. And so Everson Griffin practiced in full all week and is expected to play. The question becomes how much. So he is yeah. he is not listed as out, doubtful, or questionable, which means he's expected to play. And on the flip side of this thing, the Saints are going to come in here almost entirely healthy. Uh, defensive lineman Mitch Lowen with a neck injury is out, and that is it. Besides that, the Saints are healthy. <laughs> so this is this is going to be uh, it's going to be quite the test of the Vikings. Go on, get them, boys! On Sunday, I don't. And to your point. About Thomas, I think you're right. I think Waynes does shadow him, but then it becomes a pick your poison. Mm-hmm. And the Barr injury, and I'm sure that there's those saying, well, look at how Barr did against the Rams, so who cares? Okay, it's still a loss. Yeah. Anthony Barr is still a loss. And especially. You need him on the football field. And especially if Anthony Barr has turned a corner where his usage had more and more become rushing the passer a bit. Because now that's gone. And then the question with Griffin becomes, okay, he's back. That's fantastic. Good for him. Right. But can he play a ton? He he hasn't played since week two. And does so does he go in and play, I don't know, take your pick. Does he play 25 snaps? 15 snaps? 25% of the snaps? I don't know. So this is going to be, but this is what we've talked about. A thousand times going into this season, and you're right about this. We talked about the fact that the one thing you were not going to get was the health that you got in 2017. And I'll say, and I'll say this too, and and I think personally, and you'll probably agree with this. I think Mike Zimmer's a good coach. I think he's a very good coach. But I think on Sunday, if depending on how many of these guys are out and how effective they're going to be, I think Sunday will tell us a whole lot about. Can this guy, can this head coach sort of weather this storm a little bit of injuries to key players, especially on that defense, if they can still pull out a win and still But be is that even fair against Breeze? I mean, this I, guy is well, so good. No, I know. I know. But what I'm I saying is saying. If, they, if, they can, if they can pull out a win on Sunday and the defense at least doesn't com- isn't a complete disaster, I think you got to give major, major kudos to the head coach. Game plan of a lifetime right yeah. there. Yeah. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd fill out today. So it's Judd, Manny Hill, Matthew Collar joins us next in two hours, basically, of wall-to-wall Vikings and football talk. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN.